coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We try to figure out what went wrong with Star Fox Zero. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? It's going pretty well, Mark. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I have a... um, I, I hesitate to call it a pimple because it hasn't formed to a head, mm. but just like at the very tip of my nose. Like an underskin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the very tip of my nose is very red. Mm-hmm. Right now, it looks like I got sunburned just at that point. I was going to ask, <laughs> did you get sunburned just at that point on your nose? I did not. Okay. It's an under-the-skin type pimple thing. And, you know, I went into work this morning, and I was like, ah, you know, like, it's a little embarrassing. Right. No one's going to call you on it, though, right? No. Uh, But, you know, it's like having a bad hair day, where it's like, nobody really cares except for you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I decided, like, screw it. I went in there with full confidence. Guns blazing. Yeah, and everyone loved it, right? (laughs) They were like, Mark... What, what's, what's going on? What's different Is about you? Is that a you? new shirt? <laughs> no, it's bad skin. Oh, do you have any like pimple remedies that you use? Not really. My 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 skin is just like a disaster in general. Right. Like so much so that I at the Glendale Galleria mm-hmm. when I I am like, familiar with the Glendale Galleria. I had first moved to when I first moved to LA. I was like walking through the Glendale Galleria. You know, there's like the different kiosks in there. Oh, yeah. And they can, the salespeople can be kind of aggressive. And uh, one of the lady sales pitches to me for like skincare product was like, hey, you have bad skin. Whoa. So. Well, here's the thing. She's very bad at that job. <laughs> right? It's I mean, fine. I told very you. Very bad. Yeah. Guns blazing. I mean, maybe it works. Is that like negging? I don't, I can't You know, imagine. like what, I, like, what is that guy's name? Mystery? Sure. Or like the pickup artist? Yeah, the pickup artist. Like, yeah. would he be like, that's a great sales tactic. To say, hey, you've got bad skin? I don't know. Maybe I'd be like, she's so right. That just makes me uh, cry and run away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it wouldn't work on me. Yeah, it, wouldn't, yeah, it, it didn't work on me either. I mean, uh, I bought like $600 worth of... Right. Oh, well, I guess it is a really good sales technique. Mark, maybe you misunderstood. It worked, seemed like it worked really well on you. <laughs> uh, weather report. Lovely. Lovely again. So nice. Nice and cool. Why isn't everybody living here? Uh, well, it, cost of living is pretty high. Traffic's bad. Traffic's bad. This pollution's terrible. Uh, some people are racist. Yep. I mean, not people here. There are racist people here as well. Yeah, there are racist people. Let's not not sugarcoat LA. There are racist people here. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, other than those things, I guess we had a drought. Yeah. Um, But that's over. Now we can drink all the water we want. We, we, you, you are leaving your kitchen sink running as we speak. That's right. And the shower. (laughs) And the shower. (laughs) I'm not even letting the bathtub fill up. (laughs) Nope. Right down the drain. And I'm constantly between breaths setting the microphone down and running to your bathroom and flushing the toilet that's right um so if it's a little noisy in here that's why uh mark what uh what we've been playing what what have we been playing this week we played a few things together we did play a few things together um we hey 
Saturday was a lot of fun. Saturday was a lot of fun. Okay. We played Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Mm-hmm. A little bit more. Um, yeah, we uh, got into, or we played all the way through that, uh, what was left of the third world, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lion, Lion King, King on, on Broadway. Broadway. Uh, and moved on to the next level, which was kind of just like a beach theme. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little less unique. Yeah, like like an island versus a they're all random islands. tropical yeah it's, yeah it's leaning on the island side of the tropical island equation i have to admit, as much as i really enjoyed this game and i'm having a ton of fun playing it i was hoping after these uh like the alpine world yes and the broadway world right or i guess really it's lion not really king the broadway, broadway the lion king on broadway world that we would see more like it getting pushed further and further. Book of Mormon on Broadway. <laughs> Hamilton on Broadway. So whenever we go back to like Tropical Island, it's a little disappointing. Yeah, but the uh, the boss of that world was fun. He's a monkey that turns into three monkeys. Yeah, or that I was guess fun. he is three monkeys. That you defeat two of the monkeys. No, no, I, I don't. Sorry, I don't mean. I meant when we went to the. Uh, wait, did we play through the Tropical Island one? No, 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 because the, the monkeys were the Lion King on Broadway level. Oh, that's a great point. Yes. Yeah. Because um, the beach was the pufferfish. Yes. The fugu. Fugu face-off. Oh, so we did play through that one. Yeah. Yeah, oh. and we got to the first level of World 5. Which was? I don't remember. You and I were both so sleepy at We this were point. so sleepy. We, we had gotten together to play uh, Star Fox, and both Zero and Guard. And then whatever else the night did. Which right? was Persona 5. Which was Persona 5. This is the Nintendo podcast, though, so we're not going to talk too we much We shall about not it. say its name. We shall not say its It would be so much more compelling to play that game on, on the Gozies, on, per- the, on the Switch. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so we, we put in uh, Donkey Kong at maybe 9 o'clock. Um, and played until we were both too sleepy. Which was like 10.45. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's right. But I had so much fun playing the game. Me too. Um, the, again, the music's just incredible. We had talked about, I think last time, how one of the things that, was, that we thought was missing from the game was those silhouette levels. Yes. Or like the yes, sunset yes, yes, levels. Yes. And uh, we, had, we spoke too soon because when you get further into the game. We found one. There's, but it's a water level. Like you're swimming through it. Yeah. And it's like bioluminescent. Um, it's beautiful. It also, it's not. Like the, those other ones did the silhouette full time, whereas this, the deeper you swam, the more like absolute the silhouettes became. And always, no matter what, you could see the red of either Diddy's hat or Donkey Kong's tie. I wonder what uh, the other Dixie and Cranky, I wonder what I'm guessing they guessing hair like. and beard. Right. Yellow hair. Or, or like the beret, her beret. Oh, maybe. Like a pink beret. Yeah. So, yes, we played a lot of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Uh, we've also been playing, uh, I've been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, I just, bef- like minutes before you got here, Mark, I beat the Desert uh, Divine Beast. Oh, nice, because on Saturday you were talking about trying to find the outfit to, um, yes, to, like, to disguise the, yourself. Into the Gerudo Village, yeah. And I was able to find it and do all of that stuff there. And I did, on uh, Sunday, I was trying to fight the boss of this thing. And was just getting beaten up left and right. 
and you know kept like eating food to you know either throw up elect- electricity resistance or boost my defense or attack um but i just didn't have enough and i was getting like so stressed out that i didn't have enough stuff to do it and i was like wait a minute i can just warp out of here cook for 20 minutes and then warp back which is what i did and uh beat it up and i've i've now have two divine beasts nice two of them and i guess i'm going to the uh the bird people world next uh, is is where I, where i'm going to head i feel like i could head into goron territory but it's just so hot there and link is always on fire <laughs> have you been around there yet yeah i've gotten pretty close or like i've climbed up uh around it i haven't mm-hmm. gone very deep into it so um it's terrifying though, seeing flames <laughs> leap off of Link's arms and legs and his clothes and everything. And I know you can you can temporarily quench that with uh, an elixir or some food or something, but I feel like I need some armor that will protect me. Uh, there. What else? Oh, I am. I have twelve hearts and three, like unspoken for spirit orbs. So I just need one more, and then I can go and get the Master Sword. Uh-huh. I'm very excited about that. I don't even know if it's a good weapon. It's the Master Sword, though. I just want it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's good. So yeah, I still, I still love this game. I'm glad that I'm playing it at the pace I'm playing it at. I cannot believe that there are people who had this game beaten inside of a week. It's just it's monstrous to me. <laughs> I think it's just a different mindset. Like I feel like... Uh, people who like beat it are ones who you know pretty much i can't i have a hard time imagining they did everything or you know what i mean like even even, still like i don't have i haven't done that many shrines really and i don't really have that many korok seeds that i found and i only have half of the divine beasts like you can say that those people have been playing the game differently and just like plowing through the story missions but I haven't been, you know, even when I like focus on that, there's so much other stuff that I've just left on the table. The other alternate explanation I have is that all those people are in college. Oh, that's a great point. Or uh, don't have jobs. Or don't have jobs. Because uh, if I didn't have a job, no, I probably still would. <laughs> I probably still wouldn't be that far. If I, mean, I was on a, if, I, if I had a trust fund, oh, yeah. I'd be on a yacht somewhere playing Zelda all the time. Uh, is... Which is dozens of floozies around me. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> the the fantasy dozens. was incomplete until you said the floozies. Now I'm there with you. Great. Have you been playing anything else, Mark? Uh oh, I mean, we mentioned it before, but we both played Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard, but we're gonna be talking about that a little bit later. Uh yeah. That's that's true. And we're gonna have a good conversation about it. And all things Star Fox. That's the point of today's episode. Yeah. But first, the news. <laughs> Later tonight, in just like an hour and a half from now, there's going to be a drag from when we're from when we're recording, recording right? Not when t- you're listening to this, which will be you'll be listening Tuesday morning. So this information will be old information at this point. Yes, in fact, you'll have more information than we currently have, which is true always. Of always being in the future, right? We don't uh, know the names of your uh, childhood dogs. We don't know your mother's maiden name. And we don't know what happened in this uh, live stream that Mark's about to tell us about. Yes, yes, yes. But what I'm saying specifically is that anytime you're in the future, you have more information than somebody in the past. Sure. You have different information. 
Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so later tonight is the Dragon Quest Eleven release date live stream. Uh, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we'll have heard some information about the Switch version of the game. Right, and what it is more similar to. Right, the PS4 version or the 3DS version. Which one would you rather have, Patrick? The PS4 version or 3DS? I mean, I think the PS4 version, right? Yeah. I, I guess I don't understand the question. Like, well, like, which version would you rather have on the Switch? Sorry. No, I, I get that. Um, but I think the answer has still got to be the PlayStation version, PlayStation 4 version, because if I want to play the 3DS version on the go, I already have a 3DS. Not that I want to play that thing, but... But it's an option. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I guess so. Like... I think it depends on we still don't really know what the difference is between them, right? Well, we know that the three we know that the PS4 version is running on Unreal Engine 4, right? And P, the 3DS version, you can switch between like an over the head like like retro graphics and more modern graphics and that on one of the versions and I want to say it's the PS4, you can't like you can avoid enemy encounters but on the 3ds version they're all random they're random encounters but this is all uh, well hopefully we'll know more in a couple of hours great but i'm hoping that the switch version comes out at the same time as the ps4 and 3ds version that will be clutch yeah because we haven't heard anything about the switch version other than it exists yeah so um i've kind of been operating under the assumption that it'll be the ps4 version and that it'll come out at the same time but that's could very well not be true you know i think it could come out a little bit later just so long as we have that information up front like i think one of the things that's frustrating about like saving games for the switch because i think that's a legit thing to do if you see a game coming out on other platforms and the switch being like no no no, i'm gonna play this thing on the switch because i can it's more convenient that becomes that convenience melts away when you don't know how long you're gonna wait like with ukulele, we don't have a date for that on Switch yet. And there's going to be a difference between when it comes out everywhere else and when it comes out on Switch. And so you have to start doing that math of like, how much is it worth to me to have that convenience? Is it worth a month late? Is it worth two months late? Is it worth six months late? Yeah, I totally think that's true as a consumer. It, as a uh, publisher, you have to be worried about Will people want to buy it so late on yeah. this other platform when it's been available? You know, like you have to weigh that cost benefit of, okay, well, I'm sure some people will buy it on the Switch, but if it comes out six months later, aren't most people just going to buy it on, you know, right. the PS4? And do they really care about that? And maybe they don't, but as a fan of Nintendo, you want it to do well on the switch well yeah yeah. and i think just a a a fan of both nintendo abstractly and of the switch as a platform specifically uh, like that's where i want a lot of these games to succeed uh and i just don't know yeah i I don't know i don't know what that time frame is yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out in a few hours um but something we'll all get to experience together in real time is nintendo announced a new nintendo direct for april 12th at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m. Pacific time. Nintendo Directs. Yeah. They're still a thing. I guess maybe now that they have a platform that they um, are making games for, Directs will become more frequent. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so it's 
said it's going to focus on upcoming Switch and 3DS titles with a specific focus on ARMS and Splatoon 2. Now, I feel like generally Nintendo's pretty straightforward about when they say, hey, it's going to focus on this thing. Yeah. It generally does, and they don't. So I, I don't, basically what I'm saying is I don't know if you should expect a like, surprise announcement of a new Switch game. You don't think we're going to get Smash 5 on this or anything? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's possible. Um, like, it wouldn't be unprecedented for them to have like a surprise announcement at the end or at the beginning. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm not expecting it. I'm not getting my hopes up. Uh, I'm, are, are you excited for this? Direct? Yeah, I'm hoping we'll get release dates for both of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I kind of always forget that ARMS exists. Yeah, me too. So I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Um, I'm hoping to care more basically is what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I am also hoping to care more about ARMS, but more than that, I am hoping to get some sort of inkling of what the single player is for both of these games. Uh, cause I don't think, I think we've only seen arms either multiplayer or just like kind of arcade mode where you're just fighting a, a computer controlled opponent, which may be all that there is for that. But Splatoon has the, there could be a campaign in Splatoon. There could be just sort of like an obstacle core single player. There could be anything. There, there's so much around the core Splatoon idea that I can't, I'm really like almost anxious to see what, what it's all wrapped in. And I hope we get some of that in this or at least some indication of like what all is customizable because the all all the inklings like have different hair and clothes and stuff and they they look so much more different in this one than they did in the first game yeah it it, i wonder if it's too early for a full blowout on splatoon 2 you know since Mm -hmm. arms is kind of their next after mario kart arms is their next big launch so i don't know if i feel like it'll be mostly arms focused with some Mm -hmm. splatoon information with more Splatoon information to come closer to whenever that release date is. Here's a question. Do you think we will get the dates of another test fire? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Like if it comes out, let's say it comes out in August. Yeah, and I think that's what we're assuming, end of summer, right? Then, you know, like a test fire in June or July. Yeah, I I could see the dates for that being announced then. What about an arms test fire? Test punch? Test punch? Uh. I don't know. I, I do feel like it'd be smart for them to have a demo for that. Yeah. You know, so that way people, especially now that people have switches, mm-hmm. they'll be able to, t- they would be able to test the controls for themselves. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that'd be cool. It'd be great to see a demo come out of that. Yeah. I, I would also, I'd like a chance to play this game before uh, c- committing to buying it. Yeah. Same. Um, Takashi Tokita, who's director of, games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy The Four Heroes of Light teased potentially a new Switch game that he's working on what? on Twitter. He twi- Last week he tweeted a photo of the Switch system with the caption, Top Secret Mission Commence. So there you go. So Chrono Trigger remake confirmed for Switch? Confirmed. Confirmed We're for br- Switch. Breaking the news. Or finally, a, a uh, sequel that combines the worlds of Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross. Finally. finally. Confirmed. <laughs> We're confirming. Um, but yeah, that's cool. And yeah. it kind of uh, rolls into, I was going to say our next news item. but That's not true. <laughs> but that's not true. Where did I put that? Um, 
Oh, okay. So it does kind of roll into the next news item I'm going to talk about is that so nintendoeverything.com is my go-to for English translations of Japanese language interviews. Mm-hmm. And this week they posted um, two of interest. The first is a translation of Square Enix CEO Yosuke Matsuda's interview with Nikkei. In the interview, he discusses the Switch and says, quote, our developers w- with a strong interest in the Switch are eager to challenge themselves to find new ways t- for people to play games. Having more gaming platforms available is a good thing for us. I really want the Switch to succeed. We'll be developing new titles, and we'd like to port existing titles that the Switch can support often as we can. Yes. Nintendo creates a variety of new gameplay, poss- gameplay possibilities. I think other companies will come up with some surprising gimmicks using the Switch's unique capabilities. We have our own way of doing things, so we'll be marrying the Switch's unique features to the kinds of games we're known for. I like that a lot. Uh, there are a there's almost a, a bottomless pit of Square Enix games that I would be excited to see on on the Switch. Yeah, Most absolutely. Of them have Final Fantasy in the title, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, no, that I, that's very exciting. Yeah, I I and I guess not super surprising to me because again, just like the Switch feels like a natural successor to the Vita for Japanese de- yes developers. So um, hopefully, we w- will continue to see. A lot of those like fun and interesting, a lot of them like RPG titles that haven't made it over to uh, like the PS4 mm-hmm. on something like the Switch. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah, it's interesting to. What was I saying? What was I going to say, Mark? No one's going to know. Hold on, I'm going to go know. flush your toilet. Just okay, like. thank you. Uh no, I don't know. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, yes, this is it. Is that um, Square Enix more or less took the last generation of Nintendo consoles off. There, I, there weren't Square Enix games on the Wii U. And there, there were a handful of like kind of weird ones on the Wii, but you know, for the most part, they've been staying away from Nintendo home hardware. Uh, and even something like Bravely Default and Bravely Second, like those were that kind of came later to the 3DS library. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's cool to see Square Enix kind of coming back to Nintendo in a way. So I'm no expert, but it seems the indie scene in Japan is just starting to grow in a way that it has in the West for yes. a while. And so now you really see the interesting new ideas in video games coming out of indies. Yes. You know, like video games as an industry have become so huge that they become homogenized because it reduces risk. Yeah. And I think in Japan, you've seen some of that with like Capcom, but that's them trying to become like more Western, but having um, something like the Vita and the DS and in some ways the 3DS, which were more successful in Japan than they were in the West and um, cheaper to develop, for, you still got like weird interesting titles yeah. for those yeah that's a that good point. you know and then like on the ps4 you just you got like final fantasy which is f- great you know but is not particularly interesting or groundbreaking or pushing anything right you know and so i'm hoping by the switch being easier to develop for not necessarily cheaper at this point mm-hmm. but i'm just hoping that we don't lose that you know that that like sense of homogenous yeah 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 i mean i the uh the things that we've seen 
just uh, for games on the horizon, I feel like there is a lot of that sort of uh, either actually uh, games from indies or just that sort of indie mentality. Like the uh, we haven't heard anything uh, about it since we saw it at the event, but that project Octopath Traveler or whatever it's called, I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, that thing looks nuts. A 3D role-playing game with uh, like 16-bit sprites inhabiting that. It just looks crazy and looks like the kind of thing that Square wouldn't be putting out on other platforms because it's so like experimental and like high concept. Uh, and I, yeah, so I, I think this is what we're seeing is just a symptom of that. So that's exciting. Um, uh, NBA Playgrounds is coming from Saber Interactive to the Switch this May, along with the Xbox One and PS4. Did you see the like trailer or anything I for this? I didn't see the trailer. I saw people tweeting about it, but I didn't check out the trailer. So it looks fun. It looks like a um like update on the NBA Jam formula. So it has cl- like big head old- mode. I don't know, but it's it has like have big head mode. has like old players, but also like LeBron James, like newer players oh, as that's well cool. in those two on two um basketball type thing. So it definitely, you know, is 100% going for that NBA Jam feeling. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it could be fun. I think recapturing the magic of NBA Jam is a really tall order for anybody to uh, set for themselves. Well, do you remember when they did a new NBA Jam like yes. seven or eight years ago? Uh, that thing didn't do particularly well, right? No, you didn't really hear anything about it after release. It kind of reminded me of when they re-released or like remastered or redid GoldenEye for the yeah, Wii. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was just kind of like it was a fun idea that just never that didn't really work. Yeah. Well, it's it's not what what games are anymore. You know, like if if you want to redo GoldenEye, if you want to do another GoldenEye game, like you've got to it's got to be big. It's got to be cinematic and compelling and all that stuff and I'm I I didn't play the remake of GoldenEye or what was Gold sequel? What was it? Yeah, I, I think it was a kind of a remake. I don't know anyone who played it. Yeah. Um. So you know, it obviously wasn't a, a a big hit, but I think that NBA Jam is also just a little bit a relic of uh our arcade times. Like that, that was a big arcade machine all the time. And then when you had it on Super Nintendo or Genesis or whatever, you were replicating that experience of playing it in the arcade. And I, I think. If there's one place where like the Switch can be successful with it, where it wouldn't be as much fun to play it on Xbox or, or PlayStation, is that you can take it anywhere and two people can play it and have that sort of arcade experience at a bar or a coffee shop or you know a friend's kid's birthday or something. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. And we don't have to wait that long. It comes out next month. Yeah, that's real soon. Last week, we were talking about the Nintendo eShop and how discoverability is a big problem on it. Big problem. One thing that Nintendo did introduce, and it happened late, I think Monday night, was a bestseller section mm-hmm. to the Switch eShop. So on the side, there's you know now three categories instead of the two that were there before or something like that. So what was there before is like recent releases and games? <laughs> what was it? Search, maybe? Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, may- just like- maybe. Uh, and and so now now there's a a bestsellers tab, which I guess is sort of useful, but I think it still kind of pushes stuff uh, off that that front page. Yeah, there's so many uh, of the arcade archives, the the Neo Geo games, uh, kind of clogging up the. And not that they're not that they're garbage, but like 
you know, you're probably interested in two or three of them, and there's like a dozen on on the homepage already, just jamming up the works. I think it's nice that they are adding things to the yes. eShop. I'm hoping this just means that more is coming. Yeah, I would hope for the same. Reviews would be nice. People, you could offer a star rating on something. I personally, I actually don't know how helpful that is. Mm-hmm. Um, only because it's so easily it's so easily abused. You sure, right? And so Super Mario Run style. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't actually, I don't want them to do a. But previous eShops have had that, haven't mm-hmm. they? They have, yeah. Maybe if you're a verified buyer. I think that's a good compromise. Like you have to have purchased it in order to leave a review. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. Uh, there's another Nintendo Everything translation that was posted this past week. And it's a lengthy interview that Famitsu um, published a while back with Nintendo, Nintendo's Shinya Takahashi and Yoshika Koizuma. Koizumi. Uh, Koizumi. Uh, and it's all about the Switch, like the creation of the Switch. The two of them were basically the leads mm-hmm. on the Switch hardware. And um, I didn't really pull any excerpts from it because the whole thing is worth going to NintendoEverything.com and searching out. It's just a very interesting look at nin- like Nintendo's culture and the way that they created the Switch and kind of like their goals for the Switch. Um, and if I were to like kind of summarize it, it really does show that they were aware of didn't what of what wasn't working with the Wii U mm-hmm. and they were aware that they needed a new approach to everything and that included marketing that included the um product design they that included the product packaging they talk about in the interview how uh they had to permeate that change to the entire company like in the early days when they were designing the packaging, the people who designed it would bring it to them and it was in a very like classic Nintendo style. Yeah. And they would uh have to like correct it and be like, no, that's that's not what we want anymore. Like we are going in a different direction. Right. It needs to be cleaner. It needs to be more presentational. They like they were just like more like um and this is my term, but just like hip. Like more yeah, to yeah. a different audience mm-hmm. than Nintendo traditionally um presented itself for hmm? yeah. <laughs> presented itself to two uh th- yeah i mean we remember the experience of opening the switch box for the first time and seeing what looked like kind of a small device like in the middle of this giant cardboard box and that that certain that moment like leaves an impression you know it, it is not unlike when you get a new phone and you o- open this cube of a box and you just have this cool thing on a little throne right there and it's just it's yours and you are mighty with it well and even the uh like the pro controller Mm -hmm. like packaging there's just something about the graphics and like the uh photography and everything that's presented on the box that i don't even know that i can necessarily put a finger on it but it does feel different than anything we've seen from nintendo before yeah i mean maybe it's just that it it feels grown up it it feels like it's not trying to sell you on the fun you're going to have with it but on the utility of the thing yeah which is a big change yeah um so yeah it's definitely worth checking out i recommend that to everybody side note persona 5 came with a dualshock 4 skin that i could have put on my playstation 4 controller yeah like stickers yeah like stickers 
I've never done that to any controller I've ever owned. Have you? No, but I also am not crazy about like special edition controllers mm-hmm. or that have like graphics on them or consoles that have graphics on them. I it, don't I don't even really love the different color controllers, like DualShock 4 controllers you can buy. See, I'm okay with a, a different color controller or something like that, but the idea of marrying a controller or a system to a game specifically feels so narrow because you know you're going to use that controller or that system to play something else, something that's going to be thematically inconsistent. I'm going to want to play God of War with my Persona 5 controller. <laughs> Just seems weird. I'd like to know if any listeners have applied any of these things to their controllers or systems or whatever, and why. What, what did you do? Why, why, why did you do this? Um, so if you can send any of those stories to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com. That we can talk about them next week. That would be fun, I think. Guess what? There's a new Wii U game coming, uh, like a packaged Wii U game coming out on May 23rd. Why? It's Darksiders, the War Mastered Edition mm, for Wii U. Don't like that name. It's coming out on from THQ Nordic for 20 bucks on May 23rd. It was released on other platforms last holiday season. Um, what even is the point? And they promised it was coming. They said it wasn't canceled and they're delivering. Again, I think it's great for people who own a Wii U, maybe want a Switch but don't have a Switch, but it just feels so late at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I don't, I mean, I guess that's who it's for. Someone who has a Wii U and has, doesn't have a PlayStation or Xbox, doesn't own a Switch. And it's just like, oh my god, there's nothing else for me to play. There's nothing new for me to play. By all accounts, Darksiders is a great game. Uh, sure, yeah. Or, or at least a, a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, I've not played any of them. But Have you? No. Oh, okay. Uh, but the... Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, they have to have reasonable expectations for how this thing is going to perform. Right, 14 copies. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Remember Unholy Night, the Darkness Hunter? That I, I do. The the SNES slash Super Famicom game mm-hmm. that some XSNK staffers mm-hmm. are developing. Yes. So when we originally discussed it, we weren't sure if it was coming, if it was ever going to come to the West. And apparently it is because you can pre-order it on Amazon for 50 bucks right now with a listed release date of June 19th, 2017. So... I checked out that page, uh-huh. and it seems a little bit sketchy. Okay. Yes, yes you can pre-order uh-huh. it. Uh, no, there are not graphics. You cannot see what uh, the box art looks like or what the cartridge looks like. So I, I don't know. So do you How th- real could this possibly be at this point? So do you think maybe it is someone intending to... Well, but it's not a third-party seller, is it? No, because it's like an Amazon listing. Yeah, like they, the little Prime logo is next to it. Yeah, I don't know. Because I was gonna say maybe it is somebody who's intending to purchase the Super Famicom carts from Japan and then like import them. Basically, I wonder if it's just uh, Amazon being hopeful, like thinking that it'll happen, and just being like, "Well, we may as well start taking pre-orders now." They don't charge your credit card until the thing ships, so you know they're not getting really in any trouble if they're like pre-order this thing that may or may not exist right i mean that's what gamestop does they'll take pretty much pre-orders on anything because yeah uh 50 bucks how do you feel about that price 
I honestly don't feel like it's that unreasonable for if it is a cart. Yeah. Right? Because those a Super Nintendo cart. Yeah, they're like um that can't be super cheap pr- to produce because they're all they can't be planning on producing a ton of them anyways. It's also way bigger than any Super Nintendo cart was before. So like they've got to get these things specially made or I mean, they're specially made to begin with because you can't go to this is someone that's printing a bunch of Super Nintendo cards and say, just slide this one it's into not, the lineup. It's not like high school when you could get your friend to burn a CD for you because you didn't have a CD burner yet. Right. Man, dark days. Now I don't have it. Again, we're back to it now. We're back to I, it. I don't have a CD burner. <laughs> I'm glad we've returned to this. Technology is cyclical. That's right. It's like Patrick Duffy says. Mm. Not Patrick Duffy. What's the name of the yeah, 30 Rock character? The 30 Rock? The Beeper King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Dennis Duffy. Dennis Duffy. Patrick, Patrick Duffy, Duffy is an actor. <laughs> is an actor. Yeah, Patrick Duffy. I don't know. I like the way you're sort of pointing at me when you say <laughs> Patrick Duffy, when you're saying part of my name. Uh, speaking of, like, Patrick Duffy, no. Um, but, like, new SNES games. There was a new NES game released this past week. What? 80s video game mascot, Dizzy. Do you sure. know who Dizzy was? He was, like, a little egg. Yeah, I, he's got, like, a hat. Maybe he is an archaeologist yeah okay seems to go on some sort of adventures yeah because he celebrated his 30th anniversary last week and to mark the occasion his creators philip and andrew oliver released a new dizzy game called mystery world dizzy um it's basically an nes remake of dizzy 3 fantasy world dizzy that was initially created in april 1993 but was never released due to financial difficulties but you, so you can check out this game right now for free on the Mystery World Dizzy website, and people have had luck, like they they've been able to put it on their NES Classic editions. Oh yeah, just sure. like any other ROM. Um, that makes sense. But if you want to buy a physical NES cart, it'll be available in the future via the Mystery World Dizzy Kickstarter campaign. What a weird world we live in. What a yeah, I love that physical carts are making a comeback. It's like vinyl. Yeah. I'm. Does that make you wish you had a uh, an NES to play uh, physical carts on? Still too unreliable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. I had an NES as of, like, I guess at this point, 10 years ago. Uh-huh. I, like, bought one secondhand and was buying a bunch of games, like a power pad and everything. Yeah. And it was fun, but, you know, like, having to take apart the system and clean it and do all that kind of stuff. It just yeah. made it not worth it by the end. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense to me. And then you got to store stuff and just one more piece of thing to have in your house. Yeah. Um, finally, when the legend of Zelda originally came out in the West, the there's a line in it. Like you, um, during the game, you go into a cave and an old man, who gives advice. Yeah. He says, Eastmost Peninsula is the secret. And originally, uh, it said Peninsula with two N's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Nintendo has released this game over and over and over throughout the years. And it always had that Typo misspelling. Intact, yeah. Um, it took a while for people to notice, but apparently they finally fixed it for the NES Classic Edition. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nintendo. <laughs> what a crazy thing for them to like go back and fix, especially after not doing it for so long. Yeah. Um. So yeah, on the so the NES Classic Edition version of Zelda is uh 
a gross mistranslation of the <laughs> of the original creator's uh, wants and desires. It's uh, a bastardization. And for the rest of our thoughts and feelings on the original Legend of Zelda, you can check out the last four episodes of the um, any NCS Classic Edition that we did all about the original Zelda. We played all the way through it. That's right. Three dungeons at a time and hated every bastardized second of it. <laughs> even though I didn't know yeah. that they fixed the typo, I could feel it. That's right. And even though we didn't mention it or mention that we were having a bad time at all, we were angry we about were it. mad. What do we got for new releases this week? We got a lot. Okay. But before we get into new releases for this week, let's mm-hmm. catch up on the things that released last week that we had no idea because Nintendo doesn't tell anybody anything. How would you ever know? So last Thursday on the Wii U Virtual Console was Super, Super Star Soldier and World Sports Competition. So there you go. Also, last week we didn't know what the Neo Geo game was. Right. Turns out that it was Alpha Mission 2. Great. Well, and Alpha Mission 2 is one of those like over-the-head... Over uh, top-down flyers? I believe so, yes. Um, So now we're on to this week's confirmed new releases. There will be others that we do not know about. Yep. Uh, So the first is Samurai Showdown 4 for the Neo Geo. Now, Mark, I don't mean to call you out here, but you put the W in Showdown for Samurai Showdown uh-huh. on your show notes. Uh-huh. There's no W in... Sh- or there is, but it's the second W. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Oh, yeah. It's it's Samurai Showdown, S-H-O, down. So by... I don't mean to call you out, because uh-huh. anybody listening to this would not know that I made that mistake. Right. So I do mean to call you yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure... That it was clear that I was calling you out. Yes. It's really more of a public service to everyone, because I've made this mistake on the internet calling it Samurai Showdown with two W's, and then being crucified on the internet saying, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never played a fighting game in your life. Go home. People are telling me to go home. It's a rude thing to say to someone on the internet. It's a rude thing to say on the internet. Uh, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, you're welcome. Uh, Mr. Shifty? Comes out on the 13th on Thursday for the Switch. Also on the eShop. Also, the Jackbox Party Pack 3 comes out on the 13th for $24.99. Has a bunch of mini games up to eight players. Uh, on one Switch? That you can do eight people yeah, on, on one Yeah, that's a great machine? question. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But I think that may just mean that, like, there are games that you probably have to pass the remote Sure, around. yeah. You can have update people playing them. Um, Scoopin' Birds comes out on the new 3DS eShop on Thursday the 13th for $7.99. And I don't entirely understand what this game is, and I watched the trailer. <laughs> However, I did appreciate that, there, that the main character appears to be um, somebody named Alice Scooper, who is like a chicken that's dressed up like Alice Cooper. Okay, all right, I'm into it. <laughs> Uh, what the actual gameplay mechanic is couldn't tell you even though i watched the trailer and then i am setsuna free dcl dlc downloadable content (laughs) is coming out on thursday Uh, it's called temporal battle arena and unless you participate in battles with other players parties or against other players parties can be accessed through the main story after talking to a character that appears on a specific map well, that's cool. I didn't know that they were supporting I Am Setsuna with additional content. Is that, do you know, is that stuff that's appeared on other platforms for it? or I don't know. I also don't know if this is being released in 
um, at the same time on multiple platforms. Sure. Or yeah, if it's just well, on the Switch. I'm Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's a game that I mean to get back to, but, you know, Zelda swallows up all things. It's hard, right? It's hard to even think about playing another game. Yeah. Uh, that's what's going to happen in Persona 5. <laughs> it's going to be like, you're, you're, you're not Zelda. Mark, let's get out of the news. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to talk about Thor. Great. Uh, the trailer for Thor Ragnarok dropped this morning. Mm-hmm. Trailers drop too, right? Yeah. It's not just albums that drop? No, trailers definitively drop. Okay, great. Um, but movies do not drop. No, they're released. <laughs> and music videos? Are Spotify exclusives? But do they drop? <laughs> Are they just always streaming? I don't... I guess I guess you maybe do you know what this 433 isn't about the oh. nomenclature oh of you're right you're right whether mo- <laughs> whether uh, what drops and what, what does not yeah drop. Uh, this is about Thor Mark how do you feel about Thor um I am excited for what looks like an interesting Thor movie Mm-hmm. Even though, so I thought it was great. I loved the trailer, was super into it, loved the colors, loved the uh, composition, loved the music. It d- did feel a little Guardians of the Galaxy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it. I'm excited about Ragnarok uh, simply because of Taika Waititi. Absolutely. Um, he's uh, uh, the hunt, hunt for the Wilder People, Search for the Hunt for the Wilder People. Search for the Wilder People, I think. And what we do in the shadows. <laughs> yes. Both uh, awesome flicks, uh, both really funny and just like exciting movies. He's just a good and interesting filmmaker, uh, the likes of which I don't really think we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I'm excited for the movie just on like a movie level, let alone any of my associations with Thor the character. Also, it looks like uh, he's going to be Odin's son, at least a little bit, because the uh, hammer oh, gets. Mm-hmm disintegrated yeah and that's my favorite iteration of thor is thor the unworthy yeah yeah that's exciting so that could be really cool Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean everything about it looks like fun and cool i want to talk a little bit about the uh the music cue Mm -hmm. in in the trailer because they're using what's the name of that it's a led zeppelin song uh immigrant song yes um so they're using that, and I know that that's kind of how uh, DC movies have been advertised uh, as of late. Like the Justice League trailer is set to, oh, it's a it's a cover of it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, maybe it's come together. It, oh, I think you're right. Like I think that is what it is. Come yeah. together. Um, and uh, you know, Suicide Squad had that uh, Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Um, it just seems like. Led Zeppelin is just objectively cooler than any of the rest of those song choices, you know? And, like, that's... I don't know. The, the movie feels like it can be objectively cooler than anything coming out of 
the DC stable at the moment. Yeah, I always associate immigrant or movie trailer wise, I associate it immigrant song with the um uh Girl with the Dragon Dragon Tattoo remake mm. that it was um wow. Uh, the guy who scores those movies, Nine Trent, Reznor, Nails, Trent yeah. Reznor and Karen O oh did a cover of it. Yeah. That was awesome. And so and that's what I associate movie wise, because that's a really effective trailer, even though if the movie's bad. Um, but I, yeah, I liked it. I, I think what I'm worried about most is even with this like interesting director mm-hmm. that it's just going to become like the Marvel homogenized movie, which you know, uh, now that the movie group kind of gets to do its own thing, mm-hmm. which is a fairly recent development, uh, it'll be... I don't hate the Marvel formula. I've enjoyed a lot of their movies. Right. But um, the lesser ones, like, in my opinion, like Doctor Strange... Mm-hmm. I, Ant-Man. Yeah, I just feel like... I'm like, that was fine, but I have no desire to ever see it again. Imminently disposable, Yeah. right? And yeah, I am. I'm. I'm also hoping that that is not this. I feel like the previous two Thor movies have been that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I wonder if just by virtue of the previous Thor movies being a little bit underwhelming, that they're like, well, forget it. This new one can be whatever it needs to be. Who cares? That that that's my hope anyway. Yeah, totally. Um, I love the idea of Hulk being in it. I love the idea of having some Planet Hulk stuff going on. Oh yeah. Um, I love everybody that's in this movie. I love that uh, Loki's got the um, Jamie McKelvey design on the the horns, uh, like the the young Loki from um, uh, uh, what's it called, Mystery Infinite, whatever it is, uh, that that series that he and um, I cannot remember people's names. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's it's cool uh, source material that it, that it's referencing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for this. So before, oh, well, we'll never oh, yeah, know. So we'll, we'll never know what I was going to ask. Uh, today we were accompanied by pianist Kyle Shaw. Um, so thanks, Kyle. Oh. Now we're going to move on to our topic of the week. Uh, this is kind of part two, right? Or uh, entry two in our uh, series on games that are probably going to be orphaned on the poor Wii U. Yeah, imagine if this were a Twitter rant. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, we don't know how many um, Twitter posts is going, how many tweets. That's right. It's going to take. Or Twitter posts. Right. So we're, so this is two slash question mark. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Two slash question mark. Uh, so we are talking today about Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played both of them on Saturday. And uh, so, Mark, you had not played any of uh, Star Fox, uh, of either of these two games That's before, right. before this weekend, right? Oh, uh, so at the E3, it must have been 2005, I played a demo of Star Fox Zero. 15? Yes, 2015. I played a demo of Star Fox Zero. <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> um, yeah, so I and and I picked up the game. I I got it when it came out. Um, I like Star Fox, I guess, enough to buy it the the day it came out. Um, but the controls are such that it really prevented me from putting any real time into it. So this was the first Star Fox game since the 
64 remake on the 3DS, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and that game did not sell well. Which is weird because I feel like the original Star Fox 64 is sort of like the high watermark for the series. Or it's, it's what people think of when they think of what's a good Star Fox game. Like, that's it. Because the Super Nintendo version, you know, that's more of like a tech demo than anything else. And all of the games since then have been, there have been problems with them either. I mean, just there's so many different problems with these games. So it's it's weird that uh, remaking the the one that everyone liked uh, didn't do particularly well. Um, so Star Fox Zero in like story and structure is a lot like sixty four. Uh, when Mark and I beat it on Saturday, because you don't have to put a, a ton of time into this game to to see the credits roll. Um, but it, it's amazing how much of the end of that game is identical to the end of. Star Fox 64, including, you know, you're being led through a maze, you know, between space and time by the ghost of your dead father. Um, and then, uh, you know, you save the galaxy, the, the Lilat system from Andros and General Pepper is like, you can be part of the army. And Star Fox is like, no, thanks. You know, it's it's uh, they didn't put any work into uh, telling a new story or even telling the same story differently. I, I definitely, it feels purposeful to me, like mm-hmm. for that same reason where it's like 64 is the one you liked and right. we're trying to make we Star Fox a thing again right. yeah. for you guys. All right, here's just more 64. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a bummer that the, so uh, talk a little bit about your, ex- so when, when you came over, I put the, the game, Wii U gamepad in your hand and was like, go. Yeah. Um so I hated it as, as a single player experience. Uh it felt very much like they searched for a reason to use the gamepad. Yeah. And I think it's in a way very emblematic of emblematic of the we use problems in general mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, we have this gamepad, but there's no real there's not a ton of good use cases for it right you right. put a map on it and that's a lot of times really nice but or uh inventory down there yeah or you can nice. like make it a horn and you can honk right love like that the honk, honk button <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's just like uh all the whole time i was playing on the gamepad uh, it just it felt like uh, too it made it too complicated yeah because you're trying to steer and shoot and like it's all happening on your gamepad so whatever's happening on the tv is just honestly just like wasted um uh power the thing is that is information that you need like in order to have a like wide enough view of the field to like play the game effectively you know when when you were playing by yourself and you were in the gamepad the whole time there were all kinds of things that like you could have flown over to either get power-ups or to avoid being hit that like you just couldn't do because you can't see all the same stuff there um so the uh if you haven't played this the gamepad is the cockpit view yes so it's always like first person like what you're seeing outside of the cockpit and then the what's on the tv is more like a a, it's pulled back so the ship is like third person for lack of a better term yeah that it's like behind the behind the the r wing yeah and again i totally understand that when they were developing it they're like we've got to gotta use this thing we've got to use the gamepad 
but it just shows how sometimes superfluous the gamepad is and how it kind of often just gets in the way of a better design. Yeah. Well, and the thing that's super frustrating about it is that like what what having the gamepad separate uh in this cockpit view accomplishes is that it means that you can fly in one direction while shooting in another, but like that was never a problem in the Star Fox games to begin with. Like you never needed to be flying one way and shooting another way, or at least not in any way that you couldn't accomplish with sticks, you know? Um and so the the, the whole thing just becomes like a, a mess of the sense there's no way to like square the sensitivity of the tilt controls with the sensitivity of the thumbsticks. Like I, I think it's always going to feel more sensitive in the motion controls than it does uh, on the sticks. Just because like you can, it's all happening in your hands, right? So you're like, okay, if I move my hands a like quarter of an inch this way, or if I move my thumb an eighth of an inch this way, you know, there should be a direct relationship between them, but there isn't. And it's all just like you're doing so much mental math in ways that you that don't make sense and that you've never done before. Um, and so I think the game really fails in that regard. Yeah, I found it very unfun. Like after I played that first level, which was the first level of the story of like the campaign, yeah. if uh, we shift we shifted to co-op after that, and I think if you had been like, do you want to play another level by yourself? I definitively would not have. Yeah, I, I would have been like, I thought I, Mark was going to leave at like three thirty. <laughs> we were going to be done. I really disliked it in mm-hmm. single player or like by your yeah single player yeah um i didn't find it fun at all yeah it's not it's not rewarding um we don't have to be negative on it the whole time no because i i really had fun when we were playing in co-op i had so much fun in co-op co-op was a revelation um so i did uh i did the flying and marked it the gunning um and I, I guess I don't really know what we switched a, a little bit for like the one, final boss one life yeah. and uh, switch right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know how Cause we found we, we were like, we, we got into the groove. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't know how you felt about your role, but uh, so I was just flying the thing and with no ability to, I guess I could have shot the, the, the guns, but like you had it. Um, but it felt great to give up that power or that responsibility to you. Uh, how did it feel? to not have control over where the ship was going yeah it worked i felt like really well Uh uh-huh because the controls for both of these things are finicky the controls for the shooting is finicky and Mm -hmm. the control the controls for flying is finicky but separated it feels like a fun amount of fuss yes versus together it feels like too much yeah yeah absolutely because like the way you have to uh, all all of the like tricks or boosts or break or whatever when you're flying the thing are all on the right thumbstick, right? So up to boost, uh, down to break, and then if you want to do a somersault, you flick the sticks in opposite directions vertically, and if you want to do a um, the U-turn, you flick them both down, and if you want to do a barrel roll, you have to like double flick the the right stick left or right. And that's a lot of, like you say, just kind of finicky nonsense that you have to keep your head wrapped around. And I was still messing it up, you know, or because then I would also like push A to switch into the walker mode or whatever. Um, and like all of that is is almost too much to keep straight in your head. Um, so, yeah, it was just great to be like, all I got to do is get close to it. And then Mark can shoot it. Yeah, it, it was the perfect amount. 
uh one thing that i um think would have been fun and i can understand the limitations of why they don't do it but so when you're holding the um gamepad to shoot obviously as you since it's motion controls as you turn the gamepad you, like the camera moves with you yeah and but there's limitations to that like once you get past um like it's maybe yeah it's maybe like 30 degrees yeah once you get past like 30 degrees in either direction you can't move anymore mm-hmm. where it would have been really what i and what it felt like i should have been able to do and what would have been really fun is if i could have gone like 360 oh degrees. that would have been so cool if and you like, had to be like spinning around on my couch yeah <laughs> uh one thing that's interesting is that Patrick was saying that even though he's flying, he has the ability to shoot. And likewise, when I'm aiming, it doesn't take it doesn't move the ship, but, but you it do does have the direct to, like, it a little it. bit. Yeah, yeah, like you it like moving the gun like yanks it in a little bit of direction. So you have to co- kind of like figure out how you're how you are going to coordinate yeah. with the person. Um because we were in the last boss and we had to figure out that like, oh, it's better if I don't move at this moment. Yes. So that way Patrick has more control or it's better if Patrick doesn't move so I can aim easier. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to get here and just sort of like get the enemy in like center mass and then just like let Mark control it, not try to, you know, find find aim. It Like that's Mark's job. Um, it's interesting because I think that that is a holdover from like how you play the game single player that like... I almost wish that it it just like complete autonomy, right? That like one player was the gunner and the other was the pilot, and you could spin around 360 degrees while I fly, and I can't affect you know I can't nudge you in one direction or the other, and you can't nudge me. Um, I think would be so much more compelling, but like it's obvious that the game just isn't. It's it functions better that way, but it's not designed for it. Just just like there's no. Uh, in-game explanation for how two people are controlling one of these things. Even though the game's got four main characters, like, just put Slippy in Fox's R-Wing. Like, it's fine. That's the There's your explanation. Um, yeah, I just... I, I wish they knew what they had there and did that more aggressively. Because I, I don't think it it works as a, as a single-player game. Yeah, I completely agree. Um... Yeah, I would not recommend this as a single-player experience. Mm-mm. But I 100% would, re- especially for as probably cheap as you can find it right now, Yeah, I would 100% recommend it as a co-op experience. On the caveat that you have a uh, pro controller to, to put, or I guess you can do it with a um, uh, Wiimote and Nunchuck could be the... Is that right? Can you do that or not? I fe- We should look at the box, but I, I feel like you would be... I don't. I don't know if you'd be able to, because would you use the D-pad as the other analog controller, or would you? Um, that's a good point. That you need to have more. Yeah, let's have a look. Yeah, it looks like you can use. Um, okay, so Wii maybe they maybe they like account for that. Like maybe you can like flick the Wiimote or something to um, initiate one of the moves or something like that. Yeah, or maybe you just use the yeah the D-pad, like you said. That but could be, the that could pro be. controller does seem like the ideal way to play it. But yeah, I uh, I had a blast when we were playing in co-op. Yeah, I mean, I, I think e- easily the only way to play this game. And if um, if they did a single player where it just did like an AI for the second player, 
I, I don't know. I feel like it, that's an easy fix for this game. Or just uh, let it let let you use normal controls and stop with all this nonsense. So, Star Fox Zero comes with, if you buy them together physically, um, Star Fox Guard. We ready to move on to Star Fox Guard? Yeah. What do we think of Star Fox Guard? I didn't like it. So, but- I was having fun with it. But I can't imagine ever putting the disc back in. So initially, I thought Star Fox Guard was like a tower defense game. Mm-hmm. And it has elements of tower defense, but that's not really what it is. Imagine that you have like, on the gamepad, you're looking at a uh, like a, a, a maze, kind of. Uh, it's like a grid. And there are like 12 camera, like security cameras on it. And different robots are entering the maze. And they're trying to attack a central point. And your job is to use the 12 different cameras to locate them and then like shoot lasers at them to destroy them. And you can only control one of these camera guns at a time. And so the, you're, you see like the overview on the gamepad. And then on the TV, like you were looking at security footage, there are 12 um, little on a grid. Right, like and the then Brady one, one bigger one in the middle, mm-hmm. which is the, the one gun you, camera that you have uh, selected. selected. Um, and so you have to hop around between all of these cameras, uh, you know, based on what you can see in like the little preview view um, all the way around, um, and shoot these robots. So the game is fun, um, but a little samey. Uh, too much presentation right like it took how long did it take us to like start playing this game oh from, man from disc into first not even a lot maybe 10 minutes right there's a lot of like story needlessly yes. a lot of st- and it's all based around slippy and which, his his uncle grippy which grippy i could handle i i don't know he's got that mustache man it just doesn't make any sense to me a frog with a mustache i don't get it mark he's an amphibian he's not supposed to have hair And then there's Slippy. Right. Who sounds like Martin Prince. Yeah. From The Simpsons. And that's the only way I find the voice tolerable is I imagine Martin. Tra-la-la-la-la. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's sort of like an infuriating <laughs> context to put a, a kind of fun game uh, in, in the middle of. Um, yeah. I found it too stressful. So I played the first level and I just, I just found it too chaotic and too mm-hmm. yeah just, it was for my personality it was too stressful i think it's a fun game i think it's weird that it came on its own disc yeah super weird it right? feels like it should have been a mini game that's included in star fox zero or like a tablet game. you know like it felt mm-hmm. like a mobile game not i'm guessing they just included it on another disc for space considerations but even star fox zero doesn't seem that big i mean i think it was just because they wanted to put put these games out together i think they just wanted like a a bonus for people who were early adopters to the thing and in the future you're not always going to buy it with these two games together you know i think they wanted a reward for people who were like i'll take the chance on star fox so like the first run is this double pack yeah and then in the future it's like it was just going to be star fox zero i could see that or if you buy it digitally the games are separate yeah um so yeah, I mean it's it's sort of a bummer that there's not 
I, I don't really I was trying to think of like what the ideal context for this would be and like how I would want to have this game presented to me and I just don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's good enough. And yeah. and you know, like in and it's it's not a bad game. There is if you really loved it, there is a lot of content there for you in the sense you know, there's like bonus stages, mm-hmm. there's collectibles for you to be getting so you can buy Other stuff. planets that we didn't even get to. Um, there are boss battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not that it's necessarily cheap. I think it's just that it's not, I didn't find it fun. I just, I, so I, I did find it fun. I, I played, uh, all of the, basically everything after that first one that Mark was like, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and you know, so that, that was another like, uh, three or four level or like sets of levels, um, through the end of the, the, the first planet. Um, and if there were like a world where, you know, they're thirty years down the line and they have a uh, Wii U Classic Edition, and this is one of the games on there that pops up, I'm gonna be like, oh, rad, and I'm gonna play it like I play Bubble Bobble now. You know, like it's it it's got like the same like simple excitement for me that I I like, but the difference is Bubble Bobble. I turn it on, I press start, I'm playing. Whereas, like, this is going to be fussy. I'm going to put a disc in. I'm going to select that it's me doing it. Then I'm going to... And it's just, like, I know it's just, it's a matter of a minute or two and, you know, maybe, like, six button presses. But it seems, like, too much for me to want to get to that. I mean, to your to your point of why it exists, yeah, I think that's generally my, like, b- my bafflement about Star Fox Guard is... I, I think your theory of it being a pack-in, mm-hmm. like a night for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But like a better deal, you know, like an incentive. Yeah, is is probably right. But it's just, I like the game itself is fun enough for what it is. I'm just baffled that resources went into it. Yeah. Well, this was a a game that had showed up, um, that had shown up early in the Wii U's life cycle without the Star Fox. Um, like skin on it that they oh. had like the bare bones of this game with the cameras uh, and just didn't have uh, a, a way to present it and so I, I mean I guess that was it that they just had this idea and had these levels and whatever sitting on the vine and we're like well we got Star Fox coming out we can make it Star Fox or it'll just never see the light of day um, but like I don't know you know we, we've talked about mini game collections before and if this were in a set of like three other Star Fox themed mini games with the same kind of depth and like a unifying like system of collecting rewards or whatever unlocking stuff i could see that being a fun package i think you i think you said it when we were playing it but this should have been a nintendo land game absolutely yeah 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 uh, totally or like if this was the you know how some of the uh warioware games have like a larger uh game sort of like on the outside of them that you don't encounter as you're going through the normal progression like this could be that you know, like, oh, this is just a little bit deeper, takes me a little bit more time, um, and really just, like, a little bit more time. These levels last, like, three minutes, maybe. Um, so, like, it's a quick experience. It's just the the package is, is all wrong. And I, I, I think that's got to be where we land on Star Fox Guard, that, like, even even if it's rewarding or exciting in some capacity, it's just not worth the the struggle of taking out a disc and putting it into a machine. <laughs> So, 
Uh, Star Fox Zero was not very well received. No, it was not. Either commercially or critically. Right. So where do you think that leaves Star Fox as a franchise for Nintendo? Because I think there was a period around uh, Star Fox 64 where Mm. it was a, even though it didn't have a ton of games, like a major... Would have just been two at that time. Yeah, like yeah. Nintendo franchise. The future was bright for Star Fox after Nintendo after Star Fox sixty four, in theory. Right, and it just never worked out that way. There was Star Fox Adventures for the GameCube, mm-hmm. and Star Fox Assault also on GameCube, and then Star Fox Command. Yes, on, on the DS, DS, which was supposed to be a return to form. But it is, so Star Fox Command is a, a little bit more of a strategy game. I don't know if you uh, played this game at all, but like um, you basically had like a, an overhead map. So you like plotted the courses of all of you and all of the other like pilots you were flying with. And then when you encountered enemies on the map, then it, it was almost like a, a role playing game in that regard. But the individual encounters weren't very good. So like if it had been that plus you know the making uh when you ran into an enemy if that was actually an exciting or fun um you know a, a event or something that you actually wanted to play it would be different but um that that game felt like half a game you know one good idea when it needed to and then star fox 64 3d to me felt kind of like a hail mary pass mm-hmm. or was like okay if we you know we keep hearing you guys want Star Fox. Here's Star Fox 64, uh, the most well-regarded Star Fox game. And I don't... Did it come out as like a... I feel like it maybe did okay. I think initially I said it did poorly, but I want to say it like worldwide it sold maybe a million copies. I mean, it was one of the first, if not uh, a launch title for the uh, 3DS, right? So... I mean, just by being around for a long time, I, I think it uh, has the the benefit of um, a, a bigger player base. It, it's just, I, I think where it becomes uh, or where it appears to be unsuccessful is that when you look at um, other Nintendo 64 games that were uh, converted to the 3DS, you know, you've got uh, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, which are great games to begin with and become, like, definitive on the 3DS. And I think that the translation from Star Fox 64 to Star Fox 64 3D, you don't get that same kind of definition. Like, it's just not as exciting of an upgrade. You know, the the game doesn't need to be visually upgraded. It needs to be more dynamically updated. You know? It, you, I, I Honestly, I don't know what Star Fox needs gameplay wise yeah and i i think that's why we've kind of run into a dead end mm-hmm. with star fox is yeah. because we've talked about in the past town i you know nintendo doesn't like to repeat itself it doesn't like to just do the same thing over and over and that's they what, sure do with star fox though and i think that's where you know they tried with like star fox um adventures and they've tried in different that, ways to like that find... was a rare game though right and, and right. that started life as not a star fox game and they were like nope slap star fox on it yeah, <laughs> same thing as Star Fox Guard. But it was it was but it was when Rare was still owned by Nintendo, right? So they were yeah. Um, were they owned by Nintendo or was it um or they you just know had whatever partner they had like their they closest had. like partnership yeah. when Nintendo owned a significant stake before yeah. they were sold to Microsoft, and um so yeah I I think when they've tried to do different things with Star Fox, people are like, no, that's not what we want. We want Star Fox, like Star Fox sixty four. But then when they do Star Fox sixty four, uh. 
it just feels old. And well, see, that's the- th- sorry to, to interrupt, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think there's a difference between doing Star Fox 64 and doing a game like Star Fox 64. Like, you can you can do a game that is similar in that, like, you are going from one planet to another and there are branching paths. You can do all of that and not tell the exact same story, right? Like, the game is so wrapped up in the presentation and the set pieces that it gives you, but we you can't do the exact same set pieces and the same narrative as 20 years ago. I think that's where it's stale. I think you could do the same kind of game with totally different environments, with way different characters, with different stakes. It's not Andros invading the Lilat system. Like, do anything else. The, uh, I kind of disagree. I don't know that it's the story that's holding Star Fox back. What I think it is, is the gameplay itself is kind of old and it's in it's it's still stuck in that um like early days of 3d gaming Mm -hmm. gameplay like it was a graphical showcase on the super nintendo Mm -hmm. it was a graphical showcase on the n64 and so the kind of um simplistic gameplay you could get away with it because it looked so beautiful and the gameplay never you know but as like it's not a graphical showcase anymore you know and so Mm -hmm. i feel like something else has to change and i think it's the gameplay i think what um and i'm not saying that they should reinvent star fox i think maybe it's just time to retire star fox because what star fox interesting because what star fox was Mm -hmm. is no longer like it's not worth it's like what we were saying with NBA Jam before. Yes, yes. That like that's not, and I, I think they have similar roots, right? But this is where I, I do think that there could still be hope for a, a some version of what Star Fox is and always has been, like an arcade, more or less on rails shooter, right? Like if they can just make the experience of doing that more exciting. We were talking about this with um, Donkey Kong Country uh, Tropical Freeze, that the set pieces in that are exciting, right? Like when we're being shot from barrel to barrel and the perspective changes and we're blowing through buildings and we're riding mine carts and things are falling apart and logs are being sliced as we ride them. That's exciting and fun. And I think there is a way to package um, that in a three-dimensional space that is still more or less on rails is still essentially doing what Star Fox is, but just in a more exciting way. And I think that that's what I, I like. Story is maybe too narrow of a definition of what I'm saying. Like the whole presentation needs to be revamped with an eye towards how do you make this sort of on rail flying shooting ar- arcade action fun. Um, and I think if you can do that, then like, you know, you, like high score, score attack, leaderboards, like all of that kind of stuff to make people excited about doing Star Fox well. Like I don't, I don't think it's that far off from what the game is. It just like lacks any polish or any understanding of how people play those kind of games or what they want from them. And this is all like we enjoyed Star Fox Zero when we were playing it yes. in co-op. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest reasons Star Fox Zero failed was because most people played it in single player yeah, for reviews, it, mm-hmm. for anything. And this game is a bad single player experience. Yeah. I think if it, uh, you know, and so it's kind of a bummer that I personally don't think we're going to see the new Star Fox for quite some time, Yeah, you know? And 
Um, I don't know that Zero would have ever been successful enough to spawn more sequels. I don't even know that I needed more right. than what we played. But um, I think Zero has a worse reputation than it is warranted if, if you're playing, if you're playing co-op. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do think there are, um, and you know, this is kind of far-flung wishful thinking, but I think there's a way to use the Star Fox license that would involve not having a game like this at all. Like, um, if there was more of like a you know real-time strategy game in the Star in the Star Fox universe, um, like that makes sense to me. Any anything that you can use a sci-fi setting for. Just use Star Fox. I think that's interesting. I am not opposed to that because I don't. I don't hold a ton of, um, like cash. Yeah. To Star Fox, mm-hmm. you know, you could pretty much do anything with Star Fox, and it's like anything else. I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting, interesting use of Star Fox. I'm going to buy it, or uh, this game doesn't look interesting to me. But I do think they run the risk of, like, the Metroid. What was that game called? Federation, Federation Force. Fight Force. Yeah. Yeah. Run into that where um, people are like, we wanted Star Fox, not whatever this is. Right. But like the, I'm, the, the question now is like, what do people even mean when they say they want Star Fox? You know, I, I, I'm not convinced that people know right now what, what they want. I 100% agree. Because um, I think Star Fox Zero was their attempt to give it to them. Mm-hmm. And really the... Uh, Trying the asymmetrical gameplay with the gamepad and the TV got in the way of whatever else they were trying to do. Yeah, um, I think if it was a more just straightforward Star Fox game, then it would have been better received. I don't mm-hmm. think it would necessarily would have sold. I mean, enough with, to justify right. more Star Fox. But it was it was too late in the Wii U's life cycle anyway, right? Like when this game came out, it was already curtains for this thing. Um, yeah, so like I, I the, the, it was it's kind of a doom game anyway, doomed game, not a game of doom. <laughs> Maybe we should just play Doom. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, I do think that um having the Switch as a more, the Switch feels like a more traditional console to me at least in the gameplay experience uh side of it. If they just put a more traditional feeling uh star fox with a modern polish on it i think that could be super cool but i i mean on, honestly I, I i think you're right i think it may be a long time before we see another one of these and you know fox and falco will just be weird little relics in smash brothers games to come just like captain falcon is um where you're like well we are never gonna <laughs> we're never gonna see another f-zero game maybe we will who knows but never's a long time never's a long time um but like we're never going to see Mother Three. So. At the end of the day, like I would recommend people if you're looking for a, a fun co-op couch co-op game for your Wii U, I totally recommend Star Fox Zero. I had a blast playing it. In yeah, co-op. Yeah, play it together when your friend isn't there. Don't play it. Yeah, I don't. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Uh, and do go for Tropical Freeze as well because we, oh yeah, that's we, a, I mean that's ultimately a much better game. Right, that's a much more fun game. Uh, any closing thoughts on uh, the state of Star Fox or Star Fox's Zero and Guard? And I'm glad we played it. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we... Because uh, I did not particularly enjoy the E3 demo, but it's hard to enjoy E3 demos. Right. 
Uh, and I, when it came out, it had kind of bad reviews, but, um, yeah, I, it was a pleasant surprise when we played it in co-op. Yeah. Uh, I would also say, um, maybe get some less annoying voice acting. Yeah. Right. It's, um, uh, accurate to the early titles. Yeah. But but, I mean that at at this, at some point accurate to earlier versions is just bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not good. Um, but I, since this is a continuing series of indeterminate length, yes, we'd love to hear your recommendations for Wii U games that are going to be orphaned on the Wii U that we should check out. Yeah, and you can send those to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Let's close up the segment. And you know what? Let's just go ahead and close up the whole episode. Um, if you have any other questions or observations for us, we'd love to get those emails. Uh, you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, and you can always tweet at us at well as, as well. We are at Nincart Society, or you can go to the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you have a second and would like to rate and review us on iTunes, that's good. That helps us. Um, and tell your friends and subscribe. Those are all the steps that you can do. Um, we appreciate anything you do for us there. Uh, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, you can check out our uh, comic book reviews and discussions on retconpunch.com. Uh, if you want to hear Mark and I play D&D, we will be doing so tonight and every Tuesday, because of course you're listening to this on the day it comes out. <laughs> um, in the, we are part of the Dungeoneers Union. Uh, we are on YouTube and Twitch, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Got to make sure that that's 710. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably when it'll start. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our, our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can check out Ape at Betty's music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying good luck and thanks for listening. Podcast Network.